On the screen, you'll see a picture of Carl Erickson there on the left, and he was a member of the Swedish hockey team in the most recent Olympics, and he's not looking too happy because they lost to the Canadians, and he only got a silver medal. And he was not happy with a silver medal. In fact, when they asked him, how do you feel about your silver medal? He's, he said, well, you'll see how I feel about it when you see it on eBay. <laughs> he didn't like coming in second. And I tell you what, there's another very important person in our life that doesn't like coming in second, and that is our God. God hates to be second. God wants to be first in every area of our life and in a very godly way he's very selfish about that because he designed us uh, to worship him to put him first all the time in every aspect of our lives and especially our finances we'll be focusing on today so uh, we want to talk about first things first first things first just want to remind you again the different aspects of our disciple uh, driven focus uh, first of all it's a prayer initiative over our information gathering, uh, we were encouraging people to sign up for our morning of prayer on April 26th. Uh, we're praying for 100 people plus to show up, and we've got 80 signed up, so, so we're on the way. But I want to encourage you, if you have not yet signed up, to pull out this insert and, uh, again, write down what hour you might be coming. Uh, and, again, if you're a small group leader, uh, bring a friend along. Let's get up to 150. Let's show God we're serious because we need to have a foundation of prayer for this initiative. Then it's a full engagement initiative. We need to be fully engaged in what God asks us to do in making disciples. And finally, it's a generosity initiative. We've been talking about that this past week as well as uh, today. Well, let's jump ahead and take a look at our Good Friday services. Just want to remind you, those are 5 and 7. This Friday, we'll have a special time remembering Jesus Christ's sacrifice on our behalf and God's amazing love, and then, of course, our Easter services at 9 and 11. Let's jump ahead to our new series, After Easter. Uh, after Easter, we're going to be talking about Jesus Christ, the disciple-maker. Uh, we're going to look at how he discipled people, since he was the perfect disciple-maker, and he is our model. And for the first two months, we're going to really look at Peter's life. Uh, Peter was a very interesting character and how Jesus Christ took him from being a rough-hewn uh, Judean fisherman to being uh, the leader of the early church. Uh, it be a fascinating study, a good study to bring your friends out to. Everybody can relate to Peter on some level. He's always making mistakes, and God was always showing him grace and encouraging him. Well, let's talk about first things first. Let's look at Matthew 6, 19, and 20 in review of last week. It says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. What's a treasure? In the next slide you'll see it says, your treasures are the things you value and therefore invest resources in. Your treasure are the things you value and invest resources in. Now, there are a lot of appropriate treasures we can have. We talked about them last week. Relationships are our treasures. Uh, we invest resources and time and nose. We also talked about the whole area of experiences. Uh, that are important to us, recreation, hobbies, entertainment, vacations, eating out. We also talked about uh, possessions, uh, financial security, homes, furniture, and so forth. Now, those are all good things, but it becomes problematic when you put those things first before God because 
God hates to be anything but first. He wants to be first in every area of your life, and He wants you to treasure Him in the first place. Now let's go back to Matthew 6, 19 and 20. It says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. We talked about the fact that anything we store up, we uh, collect here on earth, it's going to be destroyed. Uh, it's going to be uh, deteriorate in some way. Uh, but if we lay up our treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroy, and where thieves do not break and steal, it's going to be there uh, for when we get there. And we also looked at the Matthew 6.21, which is our memory verse. In fact, let's say it together. Matthew 6.21, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And that's the idea that wherever uh, your heart is, wherever your treasure is, that's where you're going to be putting your money. That's where you're going to be putting your time. And the idea also, the, the other side of the coin one might say, is that if you invest in God's kingdom, your heart will follow. The more resources you put into God's kingdom, the more you're going to care about God's kingdom. When you put money into a certain stock, you start watching that stock, right? Your heart follows that stock because your money is there. Well, we go on and look at Mark 6.24. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So we talked last week about the fact that many times it's just not one idol in our life, one thing that we put before God, but it's a collection of things that we decide, hey, uh, I enjoy these things, and therefore... I'm going to take the resources that I might give to God, and I'm going to give my money and my effort and time and energy to these things, and, and you just can't do that. You can't do that and serve God at the same time. Either you're serving your own desires or you're serving God. And God's very clear about the fact, Jesus Christ says, that uh, uh, follow the money. That's what Jesus Christ says. Follow the money and see where it is, and that will show you uh, where your heart is. God, God doesn't need our money. But he wants our heart. And he knows if we manage our money in a way that God honors him, uh, he's going to have our heart as well, what he's really interested in. Well, let's talk about this area, first things first. First things first. Now, look at some principles uh, from the Old Testament in managing our resources uh, for the Lord. Uh, again, God was continually saying, put me first. The first area is the firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. We look at Exodus 13, verses 1 through 2. The Lord said to Moses, Consecrate or dedicate to me all the firstborn. Whatever is the first to open the womb among the people of Israel, both of man and beast, is mine. So again, this was a law that he was laying out. Remember, they had come from Egypt, a very polytheistic orientation where they worshipped all kinds of idols, and he wanted to teach them, listen, I am the only God. I am the source of all good gifts. I'm the source of life itself. Every good thing you have in life is because of me. And I want you to remember that. And the way I want you to remember that is every time something is born first, if it's a person, I want you to dedicate that person to me. And if it's an animal, I want you to sacrifice that animal to me, if it's a clean animal. And so that was just part of their life, that every time uh, something was born, the first time there was a clean animal, they sacrificed it to God. And, 
And why did God want them to do that? So that every week they would remember that God is the source of all good gifts and that everything belongs to God and that God needs to be recognized first. When good things happen, when resources come our way, when relationships come our way, we stop first and we say, thank you, God, for what you've done for me. And, of course, if we don't get into that habit, if we don't ask the Holy Spirit to get us tuned in to that value, what are we going to say? We're going to say, I'm the source of everything. In fact, I was talking with somebody yesterday about Disciple Driven, and they were talking about uh, relationships they had at work. And and this person said these people were Christ followers, and and they said, well, you know, we don't don't give a whole lot because we're the ones who earn it all. And uh, I told my friend, I said, well, I'm not sure how mature they are in their relationship with God if they believe that everything is theirs, uh, because that's the problem. That's sin. Uh, We need to realize that everything flows from God. And so what God did in the Old Testament law is he built a system in for them to constantly be reminded every time they gave birth to a firstborn child, every time they gave uh, or one of their animals uh, gave birth. Uh, They need to stop and recognize that. In fact, 16 different times uh, in the Old Testament it talks about the firstborn uh, being sacrificed or redeemed. Uh, We turn uh, to John 1.29, and we see a beautiful example of really uh, what the Old Testament law was foreshadowing. Because when John the Baptist saw Jesus Christ for the first time, and you see what he said in verse John 1.29, that is, The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You see, not only did God ask us to give the firstborn and to sacrifice the firstborn, but he, in a sense, of course, sacrificed his son, Jesus Christ, the firstborn. Now, Jesus Christ was never born. He's part of the Trinity. He's he's God. But at the same time, he was God's son. And so here we see the picture of him being the lamb that was sacrificed on our behalf, which again reminds us of all our spiritual blessings uh, that again impact our life from day to day and how we always need to be thanking God. And the principle here is, okay, well, well, how do we recognize God first in our life? Well, the question is when you're paying bills every month, who do you pay first? Who do you think deserves to be paid first. You think Visa or MasterCard or Discover? You, you think you should pay those thieves first? That's right, I said thieves, right? They are thieves. They, they, want, they want you to go broke, and they want to profit from it. I mean, who in the world, if you miss a payment or are late on a payment, will jack your interest rate from 10 to 30%? That is just incredible. That's thievery. Why in the world would you pay them first? They're trying to take you alive. Friends, obviously, you need to pay God first. God is the source of everything. God is the one who has saved you if you're a Christ follower. God is the one who's going to take care of you for eternity. So again, just as they they dedicated those firstborn children, they they sacrificed uh, those firstborn animals, uh, we need to write the check to God first and say, God, every time I get my paycheck, I'm going to recognize you as the source of this. You're the one who gave me the skills and the knowledge and the abilities and the very breath itself in order uh, to earn these resources. 
so the firstborn must be sacrificed or, or consecrated. The second principle about first is the first fruits must be offered. The first fruits must be offered. God wants to be first. Again, he built into the Old Testament law to remind the people of Israel. Exodus 23:19, the best of the first fruits of your ground you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. So this is the first fruits. Now this was a festival that they had, and they would have it early in the spring, just as they were about uh, to uh, begin their harvest. And what they would do is they would come to Jerusalem, like they did with their feast, and they would bring the very first fruits, the first part of their grain, anything that came from the ground, anything that grew out of the ground, they would bring it and they would offer it at the temple. Now, why would they do this? Same idea, same principle, that when things grew out of the ground, they didn't say, well, I did a good job of planting, or I timed it well this year, or I really had some great fertilizer. (laughs) No, they say, hey, God is the one who gave me this, and I'm going to go to Jerusalem, I'm going to thank him for it. I'm going to give him the first fruits of my crop. Uh, I was looking online the other day, and uh, I, I was looking for pet blessings. Uh, one of the most ridiculous things I've ever heard of is a pet blessing. Uh, churches do it. I can't understand why they do it. I, I read the, the argument for it, whatever. Uh, it's not a biblical idea in any sense of the word, getting your pet blessed. Now, if your pet is sick, I certainly will pray for it. You can come to me, and I will pray for your pet. But I'm just not going to generally bless your pet. There are too many other things in life that need to be blessed. In fact, you don't find pets in the Bible. You certainly don't find cats. That's certainly understandable. All right? Yeah. Amen. Amen. Thank you, John. You're with me? You know why I don't find cats? Because uh, the Egyptians worship cats. And therefore, the Israelites hated cats. That's why they never mentioned cats. Now, I can't say that dogs were uh, presented in the most favorable light. Uh, they were listed along with evildoers and, and slanderers. And uh, dogs back in that day were scavengers. Remember, the dog returns to its vomit. You know, not a lot of positive verses about dogs either. <laughs> okay? My point here is that, you know, if I'm thinking about what do I want God to bless in my life, well, It would be nice if he blessed my financial resources, right? And the reason I say that is because that's what he promises. If you're going to bless something, bless my resources that you've entrusted uh, to me. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10, it says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of your produce. Again, just what we talked about, uh, that celebration. Honor him with the first fruits of your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty. And your vats will be bursting with wine. That's what he promises. That if you honor him with the first fruits, if you put him first in your finances, that he is going to bless all of your finances. <laughs> if you say, hey, God, it's all yours, and I'm honoring by giving to you first the first fruits, he promises that he's going to bless all your finances. Now, if you don't give anything, well, I don't know what's going to happen then. Uh, not good things, as talked about here. You're not going to get that supernatural oomph you need uh, from your finances. And who doesn't want that? And God promises. And people say, well, that's the Old Testament. Well, let's go over to the New Testament. Luke 6, 38. Jesus Christ says, give, and it will be given to you. Remember we talked about this a couple weeks ago? Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, 
running over will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use it, it will be measured back to you. Remember we talked about the person who is gathering grain on the outskirts of a field or maybe at the market what they would do is they would take their garment and they had a little sash around it and they'd make a little uh, lap bag and they would put the grain into the bag and that's how they would carry it home and so they would make sure they get a lot in there and pack it well together. And, and the principle here is that God says, okay, make a lap bag for me. How much blessing do you want? How much faith are you going to express in me by giving to me? Because he says very specifically, for with the measure you use it, it will be measured back to you. So the faith that you express in giving to the Lord, when you say, God, I'm going to give to you first, I am going to give significantly to you, more than I think I I can give, that's when God says, okay, I'm going to bless you that much. And if you say, well, no, God, I don't have a lot of resources. You know, here's an extra dollar. Well, God's going to bless you a dollar. Okay, that's exactly what this verse is saying. Because God values nothing more than our faith. And I believe when it comes to our finances, that is one of the most difficult things we can do is step out in faith and say, God, I'm going to honor you. I'm going to dedicate these resources to you. I'm going to give these first fruits to you. I'm going to put you first and watch what you do. As I shared last week, that's why I love to talk about giving so much. Because I know that people are going to be blessed by it if they do it in the way that God guides them to do it. And I know a lot a lot of people, you know, they don't feel comfortable talking about giving. Of course, Satan doesn't want you giving, right? Because that just builds a kingdom. Uh, but friends, I tell you what, uh, Lori and I, as we've tithed throughout the years and given more than a tithe, God has always taken care of our needs. He's always provided for us. God is faithful. I've never had anybody in all of my ministry years come to me and say, Dan, you, you challenged me to tithe, and man, you really screwed me up. I mean, everything went south after you told me to do that. I mean, my finances fell apart. <laughs> no, it's just the opposite. I'll have people talk to me. Oh, yeah, it was about 10 years ago that you challenged me in giving, and that's when I stepped up, and that's when God started to bless me. Well, that's the way it works. That's the way it works. It's counterintuitive. No, wait a second. If I give more money, I'll have less money. How can they be blessed? Well, it's God's math. You see, the problem is that too many of us are thinking human math when it comes to giving. When you start giving to God, there's a supernatural element that enters into it. And there's this unbelievable multiplier that kicks in. I'm not talking about investments. Okay, I give 10% to God. He gives me 20%. No. All I'm saying is, is that he takes care of your needs. All right. Well, let's move on here. The third point is the tithe must be brought first. The tithe must uh, be brought first. Uh, Now, the tithe is taught, I believe, throughout Scripture. Uh, Even 300 years before the law, Abraham and Jacob were talking about the tithe. uh, But we do see it in the law, Leviticus 27.30. Every tithe of the land, whether the seed of the land or the fruit of the trees, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. Now, what's a tithe? Well, it's 10%. So what he's saying is the tithe of the land, the seed of the land, the fruit of everything, 10% of everything, in a sense, belongs to to God, it is the Lord's. 
And it's holy. It's sacred. It's set apart. You're to give it to Him. Now, all of God's resources uh, that you've been entrusted with are His. But again, as it talks about here, the tithe is very, very special. Of course, Malachi 3, 8 through 10 talks to the people of the Old Testament who were just kind of going through the motions. Their hearts weren't in it. Uh, They did not uh, have a passion to know and love God. Uh, When they were brought, told to bring a sacrifice like a lamb, they would bring the worst lamb, the blindest lamb, (laughs) the lamb that was about to die. And, of course, that's not what God wants, right? He wants the first and he wants the best of what you and I have. Uh, so we start out in verse 8. Well, a man robbed God, which they were doing in their attitudes and what they gave and how they treated God. Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you in your tithes and contributions? You're cursed with a curse, for you're robbing me, the whole nation of you. Now, friends, God tells us to give. And if you don't give a dime to God, I can tell you, you are robbing God. And I, I would rather rob somebody else than rob God. I don't know about you. <laughs> I think God is the last person you want to rob. I think God's the last person you want to take his resources away from him. That's not a good position to be in. And and I'm just talking bottom line here. If you're giving nothing to God, if you're a Christ follower and and you know better, you're in sin and you need to repent. Okay? Now it goes on here, verse 10, bring the full tithe into the storehouse. Bring the full tithe. They weren't doing that. And the storehouse meant the temple. This is called storehouse giving. When we talk about giving in Scripture, uh, I believe that this verse teaches, and we see it really throughout the, the Bible and, and the early church, that when it talks about how do we support this ministry, how do we pay for the resources we need, how do we pay for this building, how do we pay for staff? Well, it comes for pe- from people who own this ministry, from people who feel they've been called to this ministry. That's the way it works. And again, some people say, well, I tithe, I get 5% to the church and 2% to this missionary and 2% to campus crusade. No, 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 no. The tithe first comes into the storehouse. And then beyond that, uh, you can do as you desire. That there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test. And God doesn't often say that, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there's no more need. And again, there we go. You start giving to God, you start honoring Him, and He is going to bless you. It's a promise. It's a promise. Now, there will be some people who will come to me and they say, well, I'm a grace giver. You know, I don't believe in the tithe. I believe the tithe stopped uh, in the Old Testament law. And I said, well, that's great. That means you even give more than the tithe, right? Because as we look in the Old uh, New Testament, whenever uh, God talks about the law, He always takes it up a notch. Matthew 5, 27 and 28. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So in the Old Testament, don't commit adultery. In the New Testament, don't even look lustfully at a woman. Well, that's a pretty high standard, isn't it? And so it all always surprises me when people say they're grace givers and, and they don't believe in the tithe. Uh, because really, in the way I look at the tithe, it's kind of like the floor. It's kind of like where you should start or where you should work to percentage-wise as you continue to show faith in God. But it's the floor. You need to keep moving past it as God prospers you, as God takes care of you. As He blesses you, you need to bless Him even more. Because Hebrews 8, 6 says it all. But as it is, Christ has obtained a ministry 
that it is much more excellent than the old as a covenant he meditates is better. Since it is enacted on better premises. What's the bottom line here? The new covenant is so much better than the old covenant. The new covenant is something that we should be privileged that we live in this era. That we can benefit from the fact that Jesus Christ has died for us. That Jesus Christ has made a pathway to God. That we wear Jesus Christ's righteousness. That the Holy Spirit embodies us. That the Holy Spirit comforts and guides us and convicts us and grows us. And and that we have an unbelievable future with God. So if we're moving from the old covenant to the new covenant, and the old covenant, the tithe was the basis, and really when you look at... uh, the Israelites, they paid about 23.5% with different tithes. So the tithe was just a basic minimum. So if I'm moving from the Old Covenant to the New Covenant, and the Old Covenant says, oh, you should, you know, tithe is where you start out. <laughs> you know? If I'm going to be a grace giver, if I'm going to be giving based on what Jesus Christ has done to me and what He does for me on a daily basis, I'm thinking at least, Wow, that's going to be more than 10%. I, I, I think that if you call yourself a grace giver, 2 Corinthians 8 needs to be your guide. Okay? Now, this is what a grace giver is. All right? Uh, talking about the churches in Macedonia, they were dirt poor. They didn't have any resources, but look how they gave. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction... Going through all kinds of problems, all kinds of persecution from non-Christians. Their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty, not just poverty, extreme poverty, have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. Again, those words don't normally go together. Extreme poverty, affliction, and a wealth of generosity on their part. Verse 3, for they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. So all I'm saying is if you say, oh, you know, I don't believe in the Old Testament, don't believe in the tithe, all right, well, that's your new passage if you're a grace giver. That's, that's how you need to give because God has so incredibly blessed you. And so you take that and you say, okay, based on that, what percentage of my income? And I, I think it's very helpful to, to pick a percentage to give to the Lord. So you can see as you grow, as you increase the percentage, 5 to 7%, 7 to 9%, tithe, and then you keep moving past that as God encourages you and God blesses you and God prospers you. Uh, the average American uh, gives 2.6% of their, uh, of their uh, resources to charity. 2.6% of their resources to charity. You know what the sad thing is? Is that uh, evangelicals, on the average, give 2.6% of their resources to the church. Now, what's the deal with that? I mean, just average people who haven't been touched by the incredible love of Christ, you know, are given the same amount of money as people who have not been touched. Or people, you know what I'm saying? I mean, it's like there should be a difference there. And friends... You know, as your pastor, as somebody who loves you, as somebody who wants to continue to challenge and, and, and grow you, you know, this is an area we need to grow in. As we look at our giving patterns, uh, 
even with Hartshorn included, last year, 2013, uh, we have like 300 families that give, and uh, about 150 of those families gave 2.6% or less. That's half of our church giving at the level of charity uh, as the world gives. And we just need to think about that and say, is that really reflective of what Christ has done for me? Is that what God desires from me? Well, I think that we need to consider these passages. We need to pray. And and I think that's why Disciple Driven is such a wonderful opportunity for us to grow in generosity. Is saying, okay, I'm going to kick my giving up. I'm going to pray about it. I'm going to seek God's will out in terms of what I'm going to give toward this initiative. And I am going to step out in faith. I am going to put God first. I am going to uh, uh, give him the first fruits. you want to step up to a tithe, step out in faith and give him a tithe. Uh, but you want to put him first and you want to show him how thankful you are. Well, with these type of initiatives uh, give us that opportunity to stretch our faith and to really put our trust in God. And that's what we're asking all of us to consider doing. Uh, let's look at the generosity initiative. Now, again, we've been talking a lot about this, so on uh, Commitment Sunday, that's two weeks from today. Uh, next week will be a typical week. Talk, well, not typical week, it's Easter. We'll, <laughs> uh, it'll be Easter. We'll be talking about the resurrection and bring your friends out and all that kind of stuff, and then we'll start the Peter series. Uh, but we will have a First Fruit Sunday, or a Commitment Sunday, when we'll uh, pull our commitment cards in. And then we'll have a First Fruit Sunday on May 4th, when we'll give our first and best gift, or first fruits, one might say, of our, our commitment. I want you to pray about that. Now, it's interesting, uh, this past week, uh, we went through these information gatherings, and, and I talked with a lot of different people, and, and uh, people called me, and I had a great time. Boy, I tell you, people had great questions. I just want to briefly share with you uh, some of the questions that people brought uh, to me, that as we've been through this disciple-driven uh, vision-casting period, that I want to make sure everybody understands. All right, so one person asked me, um, why are we having another initiative so soon after HeartStrong? And that's a great question. Well, again, I, I, I mentioned it a couple times, but I just want to make sure everybody understands this, is that uh, you know we, we got to a point uh, last October we were talking as elders and praying through this and fasting and thinking about, okay, what are we going to do? We, we either we're going to have to... Uh, reduce our staff by 40%, and that means full-timers too. And, uh, and we had that choice, or we could do another initiative. We thought about rolling heart-strong gifts in, and that still wasn't enough. And we spent a lot of time and energy thinking through this and, and praying and sweating and you know, saying, God, what do you want us to do? And, and that's the reason we did this, because we say, God, no, I don't think we're ready for that yet. Uh, we really believe that our people have the faith to step up one more time. And uh, let's see what you do over the next two years uh, in our ministry as we continue to put our faith into you and and put you first. And let's see our own people grow even more in generosity and giving and uh, showing that you are number one uh, in uh, their lives. Another question that came up is, uh, what is the purpose of the connection director uh, and the children's ministry assistant position? Mostly it was a connection director. Uh, Now, The whole idea with the initiative is that we're trying to package some new staff people in in order uh, that God might use them to further grow our ministry. 
that if more people come into our ministry and more people engaged in prayer and engaged in ministry and engaged in giving and those kind of things. And what we found was is that people will come to Springbrook for a while, uh, but many times they'll drift because we're understaffed, and, and all of us are, are trying to work at loving people and assimilating people, uh, but we just don't have the leadership, uh, a staff leadership to make it happen like it should. So that's the idea behind a connections director is that they would come in, and every new person that comes into this church, you know, we will make sure that that person is invited out to all the right types of newcomer activities, and, and uh, they'll manage the volunteer ministry and make sure that they find a, a ministry to be involved in, and they'll manage a small group uh, orientation and helping people get involved in small groups. Those are all critical, critical things that keep people out of church. You want to be a sticky church. You want people to be able to create relationships very quickly. And that would be this main person's job, a uh, part-time person, to, again, uh, help us to be more sticky. Okay, and that means a lot of admin. That means a lot of phone calls. That means, you know, being part of a lot of activities. And, and so that's kind of the reason why we wanted to add that person. Now, again, after three years, if we don't have the money for them, well, we can't continue to pay them. But we really are just having faith in God that he is going to provide supernaturally. And, uh, of course, the children's ministry person is all about our expansion and our children's ministry going to a full hour uh, for our kids. And, uh, of course, we're going to need more uh, leadership time uh, to be able to make that uh, happen. Another question that came up is, uh, why are we giving to other ministries when we have our own needs, like the Timothy Initiative and Lawndale? Well, again, if you look at the brochure, $400,000 is going toward our ministry here at Springbrook in terms of uh, supporting our current staff, and that's about 125000 a year that we're short in our budget. Now, that's better than it was uh, two years ago. Two years ago, uh, $400,000 uh, went toward that, or $200,000 a year. So we're making some progress there. Uh, but at the same time, uh, you know, we believe in the Great Commission. And so if we're going to be given to Springbrook, we also need to be giving to, you know, our Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Uh, another question that came up is, what should I do if I have not finished my heart-strong commitment? And uh, you know, our thought is, hey, just make it part of your disciple-driven uh, commitment. Have a fresh start uh, for the next two years. Uh, people have given so generously to heart-strong. We're so thankful for that. And all of our needs are being met in that particular initiative. And all the monies that have been given to heart-strong are going just to heart-strong uh, projects. Okay, so we're making sure that everything is being carefully spent in that way. Uh, but again, as you start out a new two years, uh, we would encourage you to do that. And, and friends, I just want to let you know um, that uh, you know I, <laughs> you know, over the last three months, uh, I, I poured out my heart and my life uh, for uh, our ministry here, which I, I always seek to do. But these initiatives are unique, of, unique seasons uh, for me personally. And uh, the reason I, I expend so much energy and time is because of my love for you and our love for this church. And all I can say is that uh, the elders and myself, uh, we've talked, we've prayed, and we really feel this is the direction that God is leading us. And uh, we would ask you to pray. And, and again, the one thing, that, you know, there, there was a little bit of confusion with some people, and, and I don't want people to be confused about this. So please get your, your, your questions answered. In fact, our elders are going to be in the reception area after our service. 
And if you have any questions whatsoever, don't go to somebody else to get your questions answered. Okay? Go right to the source. Go right to our elders. They'd love to sit down and talk with you, answer any questions. And again, I probably spent, I don't know, six hours on the phone talking to different individuals, and they're all very positive conversations, you know, just saying, okay, let me explain this. And that's why I thought, wanted to spend a little bit of time just uh, explaining some of the questions that came up. Because I know it's a lot of information and a lot of things to process, and I tell you what, give me a call, you know, let us know. We want to answer those questions. We appreciate uh, your partnership uh, with us uh, so, so very much. Well, we could have our ushers come forward at this time. Uh, we are going to bring our love gifts uh, before the Lord. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you uh, for this beloved congregation. I want to thank you for their commitment to you and their generosity. And I pray we'd all grow in generosity, Lord. You know, we all we all need to keep growing. There isn't a place where it's good. No. <laughs> you want to be first. So we want to continue to sacrifice. We want to continue to love you. And uh, Lord, I pray with us as we start out in this adventure together. In Christ's name, amen. As Bill Atkinson, one of our elders, to come up, and uh, I've always been kind of inspired by his story when he shared it about how these initiatives have impacted he and Becky. Bill? Uh, well, um, <clears throat> how I've shared it a hundred times, I think. So uh, sorry for the folks that have been here for a long time, and uh, they've heard my story or actually Becky and I's spiritual journey um, and how it's been uh, affected with uh, some of these initiatives we've done. Um, but uh, uh, bear with me as uh, I'll give you the uh, best of album of our uh, spiritual journey. So, um, you know what, we've been coming here for a long time. And uh, when we first started coming here, we were uh, brand new Christians and uh, Dan did the first initiative when we uh, were going to purchase the land uh, for this building, and it was called Catch the Vision. And at the time, um, we'd never heard what it meant to tithe. Or we'd, we'd never even heard about what the Bible said about uh, uh, giving to God, kind of like the message today. And it was probably the first time Becky and I, we prayed about something, and uh, we decided we were in. We, 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 we didn't know where this was going to come from, but we said, hey, you know, if God wants 10%, that's what he's going to get. And uh, it's not like we had it laying around, but we trusted God was going to take care of it. And, uh, you know, two weeks later, God showed up because uh, we got this unexpected gift from a family member for um, the exact amount for our entire first year pledge to catch the vision. And uh, it was pretty, pretty amazing that, uh, you know, so our spiritual level went from here to, whoa, here, he's, he's in our lives and he cares about us and, and trust me, I'll take care of you, is what we got out of that. So we went along a few years kind of like that and probably grew a little bit, but then came along, uh, I think it was called Journey of Faith, we have all these cool names That's for these right. things. So <laughs> Journey of Faith was one of the first ones that was put together again to, to put this building here. And uh, um, so, again, we, we saw how God had blessed us before. And so we, again, were in. You know, we, we said we'd, we'd be part of this. And um, we, we said, you know, God, how we, we probably need to serve somewhere. We haven't been serving the church 
um, you know, where would you put us? And uh, he called us to be small group leaders for the first time. And uh, from there, our spiritual growth, again, just shot up a huge amount because we could see God in our lives every day. But he also blessed us with these intimate, incredible friendships that we'll have for a lifetime. I mean, these are, these are people that we've had, I mean, we're still, those are our best friends of our lives years and years later. And, uh, you know, those are hard to come by. And, uh, you know, God blessed us with that. So then a few years later um, comes uh, Journey of Faith, right? Isn't it? <laughs> no way about it. Oh, anyway. <laughs> yeah, anyway. So, um, so, again, we were in, and, and I might even been in part of the leadership of that, and, and, and that was the last initiative to actually put this building up. And during that time, uh, or right when that was happening, um, my six-year-old daughter, Jamie, uh, had to have emergency brain surgery. And uh, um, I'll never forget being in children's hospital there at, uh, in the waiting area. And we had you know, some family members there, but our church family and our small group people were all there. And God knew a couple of years before that, that, hey, we're going to need, we're going to need those people in our lives to get through that day. And they were all there and uh, supporting us all day. And after a day long of surgery, as I remember the doctor came in, you were there. The doctor came in and said, hey, everything's looking good. You're going to get to see your daughter in a few minutes. And then it wasn't, but a few minutes later, they come rushing back in and they say, hey, there's some major complications. Hey, we have to do, we got to get in there and do surgery again right now. And um, so about that time, Dan said, maybe we should pray. And uh, that whole room, remember that whole room was filled with us praying. And I don't know how long we prayed, but for a while. And then all of a sudden, the doctors come back in and they say, hey, everything's okay. Uh, she didn't have, she, we don't have to do that surgery. You can come see her in a few minutes. I'll never forget the next day talking to the doctor. And I said, hey, what happened? what's the medical explanation for what happened? And he said, there's no medical explanation for what happened. And I said, well, I got your explanation. God showed up. <laughs> so he said, yeah, that's about as good an explanation as I can come up with. <laughs> so, uh, so again, you know, so my daughter is 16 now and um, an honor student. We're looking at colleges for her. She's athletic. She's just like her mother. She's hilarious. <laughs> so uh, that was a pretty cool blessing. Um, so then, then we get the heart strung. And we get, uh, you know, the last one. Our economy wasn't so hot a couple of years ago. I don't know if any of you remember that. <laughs> so uh, we have small businesses. Uh, we've never, we'd never had such cash flow problems at that time. But, you know, we knew where God had blessed us, so we said, hey, we're in. Uh, and, um, you know, God showed up again. We had a 12% growth that next year, and cash flow had never been so good. So uh, when, when you said we're doing disciple-driven, we're doing another initiative, I was like, yeah. <laughs> Let's go. So in our household, it's not. Are we going to be part of this, or are we going to give to this? It's how much are we going to stretch? How much are we going to go 
to uh, make this happen. We want to, we want God to show up in our lives, and we want to see how it's going to play out. So thanks. Thank you so much for your testimony, buddy. Well, let's pray together. Dear Lord, thank you for Bill and Becky and and their family and just uh, the inspiration they've been to so many people. Lord, thank you for their growth and giving over the years. And I just pray the same thing for all my friends here, that they would experience a joy of giving and stretching and, and seeing what you do. In Christ's name, amen. All right, guys. Well, if you want to learn more about the Timothy Initiative, go across the hallway. If you have questions about Disciple Driven, go over here to the office area. And we're so thankful for your extra time today. Take care.